Hello, my name is Lauren Brooke Eisen, and I am a counsel at the Justice Program at the Brennan Center for Justice at the New York University School of Law. Um, thank you. And uh, basically, uh, I've been working on this restitution story now for a couple weeks. Going, well, I'd say mm -hmm. like about a month or so. And uh, I'm trying to just wrap my head around the whole concept of restitution as a whole. And I mean, I'm getting it in terms of uh, the, the specific cases that we're studying. But I was wondering if you could give us kind of like a broader view of uh, how victim restitution works for juveniles. So restitution is a court-ordered requirement for a convicted offender to compensate the victims for the financial losses resulting from the crime. Restitution is very common um, with adult populations. It's a little bit less common with juveniles just because juveniles tend to have less money to compensate victims for their losses. However, um, there, there is a, a pretty rich history of restitution in our country when it comes to juveniles. Um, most states do offer some sort of a restitution program um, or you know they, they do offer restitution for juveniles who have been convicted of crimes. Uh, it's just the states vary on how the program works, um, who's eligible for the programs, and you know what sorts of crimes would be eligible. Oh, and that, that goes right into my next question about how does it differ from state to state? So the, the, most of the states do have some sort of restitution um, program. You know, the, the problem is, again, that, that juveniles really tend not to have funds. Um, so it gets complicated. A lot of parents end up paying the bill for um, their children who get into trouble with the law. Um, you know, jurisdictions vary on whether or not parents are required to pay this restitution. Um, however, most of the states do have some sort of program where um, the, the, the juveniles can, can enter. Usually it's a formal program where the, the courts or the nonprofit agency that is contracting with the courts will help the juveniles um, get a job. You know, they'll help them with either build job skills or they'll help place them into jobs and they will work out a payment program so that the juvenile can pay back the victim for the losses. However, there are some um, courts where the juveniles are just supposed to pay back the restitution and there's no formal program to actually help them gain employment. Hmm. And uh, is there a cap for juveniles or like anything like that? There is. Some states do cap the amount of restitution that a juvenile is required to pay. So, for example, Missouri caps the amount um, at $4,000, which is actually pretty high. In New York, restitution to victims um, for minors is limited to $1,500. And in Wisconsin, they cap restitution payments um, for those who are under the age of 14, to $250. So it does vary depending on the jurisdiction, but it is quite common to have a cap for juvenile offenders. What are, just, like, what are some consequences of not paying off your restitution? Uh, that's a really good question. There are lots of different consequences. So it's considered non-compliance with restitution when you don't pay. And, you know, that can be because the juvenile doesn't have the funds. You know, it's not necessarily um, for, for any other reason than that. Um, and again, depending on the jurisdiction, you can be reprimanded, you can be returned to court, 
um, you can be required to work additional community service hours. You know, that can be added to your disposition. Um, you know, some states are very strict about it. Um, in California, for example, um, if a juvenile delinquent fails to pay restitution, the court may send the juvenile back to juvenile hall for violating a condition of probation. Hmm. And is there ever a case where additional fees will be added on to not paying your restitution or on top of your restitution? Sometimes additional fees can be ordered. Um, in some situations, the court will, um, will order that restitution be paid from the offender's assets. In some situation, um, sometimes the courts will actually order that future wages can be garnished. So, for example, if you know an offender is, is 13 and doesn't necessarily have employment, um, some courts do allow you know your future wages to be um, garnished. Oh, and yeah, that kind of, that goes into my next question about uh, ability to pay. Is that ever taken mm -hmm. into consideration for um, a juvenile? It is taken into consideration, um, and you know, it's sort of it cuts both ways because you want the juvenile to be able to pay. Um, you know, you, you don't want to order these this restitution if they can't pay. But on the other hand, um, you know, one of the big public policy concerns is that you don't want this disposition to become the sanction of choice for, you know, wealthier sort of middle class offenders. Um, for for example, you wouldn't want someone who who has the ability to pay to sort of reap the benefit of paying restitution as opposed to going to you know juvenile detention and someone who can afford it to go to juvenile detention because they can't pay. So it's you know it is a little bit of a complicated issue. You know criminal citations and fines can place a, a burden on poor families um, but, but you do want everyone to at least have the opportunity to enter these types of programs um, when the alternative is detention. Okay. And sorry if I'm jumping around, but I'm really no, just no, trying no, no. to wrap my head around all of this. Sure. This is a lot of information to take in. It is. <laughs> um, so like just on for a, like on a more general scale, how do fines and fees work for juveniles and is there like any major differences from like state to state? There are. So for example, in New York state, um, a person who's convicted as a juvenile offender is not subject to fines and fees. However, for example, in Michigan, juvenile assessments are, um, the statute says they shall be $20. Um, in Pennsylvania, there are fines and fees for juveniles. Um, and Pennsylvania is one of those states where if the juvenile has limited earning capacity, um, he or she may be ordered to pay later at a time when um, he, be he begins working or, or does gain employment. Um, this may be kind of weird, but do you know do you know why it's like that? Like, why wouldn't someone in New York be subject to fines and fees? Um, that's a really good question, and I I think it's just a matter of public policy. And you know, a lot of jurisdictions have very strong you know advocates for juveniles. That you know, there's no really good answer for that. Mm -hmm. There's just there's no there's no national law about this. It, it really does develop. It really does differ jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Can you provide us with any examples of like how it differs from state to state? Like, because I've talked to lawyers and, you know, within, without there being a cap on the restitution and kids, you know, sometimes being asked to pay upwards of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, it turning into uh, civil suits and just things like that. So I just wanted to know, like, how different is California from other states when it comes to restitution? 
Sure. I don't know if California is that different from other states. Um, you know, for example, in Texas, a judge does have discretion to waive all fines and court costs if the judge finds that they impose a financial hardship. Um, in you know, in Florida, they do have a program to help juveniles, um, convicted juveniles, pay back restitution. In in Oregon, um, these can initiate into a you know civil court action. You know, I think it is very common for this to end up in civil court eventually. Um, so I'm not sure California is is that different from the rest of the nation. Um, however, in California, you can end up back in. Um, juvenile hall for for not paying restitution. So, um, you know, not not all jurisdictions allow that. Uh, what what has the Brennan Center? What kind of work has the Brennan Center done with restitution? So the the Brennan Center for Justice has published reports on criminal justice debt, um, and we've looked at how criminal justice debt affects those who um, are caught up in the criminal justice system. Um, however, most of our work has focused on the adult population, um, but the Brennan Center's reporting and research has shown that there are more and more criminal justice fees that are added every single year in this country. So, you know, state legislatures are adding um, late fees if you're late on payments, you know, DNA fees, probation fees, clerk fees, case fees. Um, so the 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 amount and number of um, fines and fees that those caught up in the criminal justice system are required to pay um, are really increasing tremendously across the country.